Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning, Crossview family. Welcome to Church Online this morning. It's good to be together. Today is a great day. We're into September. It's the fall and football is back. Now, I'm not sure if you're a football fan. I know not everyone is, but you can't deny that there are a lot of extremely devoted Seahawks fans thankful to see Russell Wilson and the team playing again. It kind of feels like a win for normalcy, right? That's maybe a good thing. And now I can say with great pride that we've done a good job as parents and we've passed down uh, the mantle of being Seahawks fans to our sweet kiddos. They love watching football with us. It's great. So what does being a fan of the Seahawks have to do with our new Daniel series? Well, I'm glad you asked. The connection is around the idea of devotion. And I want to tell you up front this morning the main takeaway uh, so that we can build on it together. And here it is. Are you ready? This is important. Devotion is important, but our devotion requires direction. Let me say that again. Devotion is important, but devotion requires direction. For several years now, I've played fantasy football with a, past, with a group of pastors from our Pacific Northwest Conference. Now, I don't know if you know much about fantasy football, but it takes a bit of getting used to. What you do is you pick individual players from lots of different teams to make up your one fantasy team. So I might pick up the quarterback from the Seahawks or the running back from the Chargers, maybe the wide receiver from the Steelers, and so on. Each individual player that you select scores a certain amount of points for each actual game they play, and then all of those individual scores are added together for your overall team score. And then you compete with others who are doing the same thing. Hopefully, that makes sense. The thing about fantasy football is that it messes with the devotion that you might have for your actual favorite team. So as a Seahawks fan, I want to see the Seahawks do well and win, but there have been multiple times when I've had a fantasy football player on my fantasy team that was actually playing against the Seahawks, and I needed that player to do well against the Seahawks. So you can see where that might start to pull on your sense of devotion. Now, I've gotten over that, uh, that tension, and I have gotten to the point where I just crush my fantasy league. It's really fun. But uh, as we turn to the book of Daniel, we see this lesson played out in another way. Daniel and his friends didn't have to deal with uh, fantasy football, but the idea of devotion and where their devotion was directed played out in a very significant way from the beginning of the book of Daniel. Last week, We talked briefly about the the fall of Jerusalem and the capture of Daniel and his friends. The Babylonians were trying to strip Daniel and his friends of their identity. They have to learn a new language, new history. They had to eat new foods. They got new names. uh, and, And they'll now spend their lives serving a new king. The idea was that they would no longer be Jewish, no longer, as we said last week, be identified by the worship of Yahweh, but they were to be Babylonians. So right from the beginning of the book, Daniel, in the midst of this cataclysmic cultural event, uh, they were, uh, the Babylonians were trying to redirect their devotion. We read this last week, but let's look at it again, verses 3 through 7 in chapter 1. 
Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. So I'm going to repeat this throughout our time together this morning to help it stick and to give us the opportunity to reflect on this in the context of Scripture. So here it is again. Devotion is important, but our devotion requires direction. As young people, remember, Daniel was around 15 at this point at the beginning of of the book of Daniel. They had to ask themselves, where is our devotion directed? And they had to wrestle with this question in the midst of captivity and strong influences from the Babylonians. They faced an identity crisis as they wrestled with where the, the direction of their devotion was going to be. And the reason this thought is so significant for us this morning is because we too face a very similar reality in our world. We too face serious difficulties around the direction of our devotion. Now this, difficult, this difficulty isn't necessarily something new, but it certainly seems to have become more pronounced in the past six months in our, cult- in our culture and in our country. There's so much division around so many different things from COVID-19 and how to handle that to the upcoming election to issues of race and other large-scale cultural issues. And the division that we experience has this tendency to pull us toward being dogmatically devoted to one way or another. Devotion is important, but, the, but our devotion requires direction. So let me ask you this question, where is your devotion directed? There seems to be an increasingly large and diverse menu of options from which to choose and a crescendo of voices vying for not only our attention, but our allegiance. And the issue for us is that uh, as followers of Jesus, our devotion already has a direction. And here's, the, here's a real honest moment from my pastor's heart. I know that our normal has been disrupted and we grieve the loss of many things. In particular, uh, not currently being able to meet together face to face like we used to do. And it seems as if for many that in the wake of all of this change, it's been easier for the direction of our devotion to shift away from Jesus onto this issue or that issue, this party or that party. Our devotion gets mixed in with these other things and so caught up in the divisiveness of our world that it no longer looks like the image of Jesus that we are supposed to reflect. I read an incredible devotion this past week by Eric Peterson, the son of Eugene Peterson, who writes uh, about this topic. And he says this, Depending on what we consider to be important or who's asking the question of us, we might define ourselves and by extension what we value by such things as religious affiliation, political party, dietary preferences, personality types, gender, family of origin, vocation, special interest groups, clubs, hobbies, education, relational status, ethnicity, physical and mental health, and the list goes on. 
He goes on to say that our culture spends an enormous amount of time and energy trying to convince us to direct our devotion to a myriad of different things. And he writes at the end of his devotion, if the game is directing the desires of people's hearts, as a pastor, I frequently feel like I'm on the losing team. Wow, there's so much at stake around the question of where our devotion is directed because it has huge effect on our actions. It is of a deep pastoral concern to me. My primary responsibility is my commitment to be a follower of the way of Jesus and to help you live into your identity as children of God. In Jesus, we are given a new identity, assigned a new purpose, and gifted with new life. It's God who makes all things new, and we are participants and players in the redemptive acts of his ever-newing creation. That type of work cannot be accomplished by any political party, politician, or human organization. And no amount of regulations or limitations are a hindrance to God's work in that direction. There is nothing and no one in this world that can do what God can do. Therefore, there is nothing and no one in this world that deserves the extent of our devotion. That belongs to Jesus Christ alone. The issue that we're addressing today is that sometimes we get a little lost and we need to be reminded of who we are and, and who and what we have faith in. Uh, Eric Peterson writes in his devotion again, like nothing else, God captures and then captivates us with his mighty acts. He who brings order out of chaos, washes away sin, delivers people from bondage into freedom, ransoms us with the life of his own son, and fills us with the Holy Spirit. Devotion is important, but our devotion requires direction. Take a hard look at the state and the direction of the things that you are devoted to. Where is your devotion directed? And has it shifted away from God onto other things, in particular in this really difficult time culturally that we're living through? There are so many things that are pulling at us these days, and it's easy to begin to mix our devotion with some of these other forces. Let's look at the, let's back to the story of Daniel. This is what it says in verse 8. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Daniel's devotion is very clear. He was an Israelite, a child of Yahweh, and he was committed to that identity, even when other things were pulling at him. If our devotion is correctly focused on God, it has an effect on our actions. If we allow God to really be the only one to captivate our hearts and minds, it has a marked effect on what we do and how we live. Our lives, devoted to and transformed by God, can spill out cornucopia-like with the virtues of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we will be known by these fruits. That sounds very different from much of what uh, we see and experience from people these days, doesn't it? If these virtues don't define us as followers of Jesus, then we need to reflect on where our heart is directed. 
This past week, one of our bishops, Bishop Linda Adams, reminded us via a Facebook video of this powerful message, uh, of this passage from, from Scripture, and it comes from the New Testament. We find this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and then 7 through 11, and it says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. First, we've been raised to new life with Christ. He is our Lord and King. Bishop Linda reminded us that whatever other identities and loyalties we have, they come underneath this central identity, this central loyalty to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we have a choice of where to direct our focus, where to direct our devotion. We choose our heart set and our mindset. And if our choice is Jesus, and which I so hope it is, then we are going to get rid of things like anger and rage and malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. For these are part of our old life, which is now dead and gone. We need to remember that if we come under the lordship of Christ, however we relate to one another, even with legitimate differences on things like policy matters and complicated cultural issues, our united devotion to Jesus impacts our attitudes, our actions, and our words. And I'm so thankful to Bishop Linda for reminding us of these things. Back to Daniel again. The scripture says that he was so determined not to defile himself, but the one thing that we almost always skip over in this passage is the manner of his, uh, in, of his interactions with the chief of staff. Daniel asked for permission. He was respectful. He was respectful to the representative of the king who destroyed his home, desecrated his temple, and kidnapped him for life. Incredible. Devotion is important, and our devotion requires direction. If our devotion is rightly directed toward Jesus Christ, it will have an effect on our heart set, our mindset, our actions, and our words, even in this kind of a climate in which we find ourselves. Daniel 1, 19 through 20 says this, The king talked with them, and no one impressed them as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any manner requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. As we end our time this week together, I want to implore you to spend some time in prayer this week. Search your soul to do this good work with God. Ask the question of yourself, uh, where's my devotion directed? And make adjustments if needed. Eric Peterson ends his devotion by writing this, and this will be the end for us as well. More important than anything is whether you know in the very deepest parts of your being that you belong to Christ and that you have been claimed with the everlasting grace of God. Far above the cacophony and confusion of all the other voices that are trying to get your allegiance, my greatest desire is that you are able to hear the voice of the one who desires to be ever more intimately the lover of your soul. 
the one who can't help but smile at the mere thought of you, the one who takes endless pleasure in you, the one who, with unmatched uh, fierceness of divine love, points to you and says, you are mine. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for, for this word this morning. I'm so thankful that uh, you are the only one who deserves uh, our devotion, that our devotion is directed completely on you. Please make it clear for us, God, where our devotion is being pulled this way or that way, where we're putting our hope in this thing or that thing, and that we are reminded as followers of you that our devotion needs to be completely directed on to you, and that that devotion changes us and shapes us in terms of how we think and act and speak how we interact with others, even each other. God, speak to us. Help us do this reflective work in our heart. This is serious and important stuff. We love you. We give you all praise and glory. In your name we pray. Amen.